how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swenson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Jonathan Alter is an award-winning author, reporter, columnist, radio host, TV producer, and analyst. He's written three New York Times bestsellers, including The Center Holds, Obama and His Enemies, The Promise, President Obama Year One, and The Defining Moment, FTR's Hundred Days and the Triumph of Hope. Since 1996, he's also appeared as an analyst on NBC News and MSNBC. In his documentary filmmaking debut, Alter joined John Block for Breslin and Hamill, Deadline Artist, an HBO film. The story follows two swashbuckling newspaper columnists who spoke for ordinary people and brought passion, wit, and literary merit to their brilliant reporting style. Interviewees include Tom Wolfe, Robert De Niro, Spike Lee, Charlie McLean, and many others. It's meant to capture the charm of New York while probing explosive issues of race, class, and the practice of journalism that resonate powerfully in our time today. In this interview, Alter also discusses the wonderful chaos of filmmaking, what the national news taught him about story compression, the difference between interesting and important, what he has learned from interviewing eight American presidents, and how growth as a writer may not be linear. In the film, um, we have uh, Jimmy Breslin talked about this little newspaper he made for the neighborhood uh, when he was about eight or ten years old. And I did the same thing in my neighborhood. And like Jimmy, um, most of it was about me. My mother did not try to commit suicide like Jimmy's. And I think if she had, I wouldn't have put it in my little newspaper. Mine was more about things like me losing six baseballs in one summer and that sort of thing. But I thought of myself uh, as a uh, reporter from a, a very early age. And then you know, I worked on my school newspapers in high school and college and um, uh, thought a little bit about going into politics, but um, realized that I was more suited to be writing about politicians and that's pretty much what i've been doing ever since i was in college well it sounds like there wasn't really a, a plan b but when did you know that you were gonna you know stick with it for the long haul uh you know i i don't think i really knew that until after college i didn't have a job uh coming out of college and you know i sort of worried that uh, I would end up going to law school, and I intended to uh, go to law school, but it sort of slipped my mind. <laughs> and I found 
And I found that um, uh, even though in my um, tw early 20s, I made very little money, I, I found myself, you know, gratified to um, when I saw something of mine in print and I realized that I got a lot of satisfaction from that, even though um, it was hard work and, you know, and I, I never found writing particularly easy. Uh, I, I um, you know, I found it gratifying. And then my first um, big job for a whole $8,400 a year in 1981 was with a magazine called the Washington Monthly that's still alive and is a very fine, uh, small political magazine. <clears throat> and I got my start there uh, after freelancing for a year and getting some clips. And then I worked at Newsweek for 28 years after that. Um, and then since then, I've done a number of different things. And I mostly write books. And this is the first uh, film. So you've got a lot of uh, titles on your website. You're an author, reporter, columnist. You're now a lecturer, producer. Was there a point when you started to navigate specifically towards other fields, or do you kind of view it all as different parts of, you know, journalism or, or reporting? Um, I think that they're all connected to journalism. Even the scripted entertainment show that I did with Gary Trudeau uh, on Amazon, which is called Alpha House, and starred John Goodman, and we had 21 episodes in 2013 and 14. Even that. Uh, there were sort of journalistic elements to it to make our our stories about Capitol Hill um, realistic. And uh, my uh, work as a historian, I've written three uh, um, histories. Uh, you know, even the one I wrote about Franklin Roosevelt, I interviewed people, and you know, which is kind of a journalistic function. And I think of my the contemporary history that I wrote write as you know, a melding of of history and journalism. And I agree with what Phil Graham, who brought Newsweek for the Washington Post Company in 1961, he described journalism as the first rough draft of history. So I think there is a kind of a unity, but I also have always been interested in working in different media. And I've now um, worked in all, almost all um uh, media, um, except for a feature film, and I might I might try that at some point because I, I really like the way it stretches me. And this film, this documentary, which is the first documentary I've made, um, you know, I wasn't starting with a you know a, a, a an eight minute short, you know, that was shown to Ten people. I was starting on HBO, you know, so it made it made the uh, learning curve very steep, uh, but invigorating for me to try to um, perform at a high level in the, uh, a medium where I didn't have experience. Although some of the work that I did for NBC News over the years, where we would have to compress a complicated story into the two minutes, you know, that was very helpful for this. And my co-directors had uh, some experience in documentary filmmaking 
although they, like me, come out of um, news. They they also worked, uh, you know, in news. And Steve McCarthy and I did about a dozen pieces together for the Today Show and NBC Nightly News over the years. Uh, John worked at Dateline NBC. So there was a connection between that journalism and, um, uh, you know, and documentary filmmaking. And I started in television uh, as a kind of a second career more than 20 years ago. In 1996 is when I signed my first contract with NBC News, and I've been with them part-time ever since. Uh, so, I, you know, I've been... I've been in a visual medium. I've just never uh, done a documentary before. With these larger projects, like when you're ready to tackle a book or this new documentary, when do you know the story is there? When do you know what direction it's going in? Or do, or does that kind of unfold with the research? That's a great question. And you know, right now I'm, I'm writing a biography of Jimmy Carter that's going to come out next year. And I've been working on that about the same amount of time as the Resident Hamill film, about three years. And, um, you know, I think with a a book, uh, especially a biography, you know there's a story, and it's just a question of of shaping it in, in a way that's most compelling for the reader. This film was... Uh, a much stiffer challenge, and there were various dark nights of the soul when I think all of us wondered, is this really going to come together the way we want, or is it going to be a, you know, a sort of ordinary project? And and I think what we did was we really um, bore down last summer. We spent about a year on and off in the editing room, and there was a point last summer when we had a rough cut, and none of us were happy with it. The three of us and our two wonderful editors, Jeff Bartz and Angela Gambini, and the five of us were sitting in in the editing room, and we were just like sort of despairing, because we didn't think that the very... um, interwoven stories that we were trying to tell had been executed well enough for it to be a a, um, a gratifying experience for the film goers. So we ripped parts of it up and then we ripped it up again and we ripped it up again and we argued over everything and it was a, a, a wonderful creative process but also daunting. So I think the answer is, and a lot of filmmakers, I'm sure, have told you this, that you know you really don't know whether it's going to be any good until you're editing the film. Um, when you're shooting it, you're just trying to get as much good stuff as you can, whether it's a whether it's a feature or a uh, a documentary, and then. Um, and then you see how it looks and fits together as a almost a puzzle. And then you rip it up and do it again. <laughs> and you know the difference is with the with um, you know when we were working on Alpha House, um, we had 
script, so we had a little better idea of whether uh, an episode was especially good or not. But th- even then, you know, so much of it depends on the execution, and and things often come through differently um, when you're when you're editing it than when you shot it. And so it's a kind of a wonderful, chaotic, creative process. And I think anybody who tells you that the whole thing is sort of realized in the conception is probably hasn't done it, you know, because it's, it's, it's just more, it's just messier than that. You could have the greatest storyboards in the world. Of course, we didn't use storyboards, but, you know, and it still only comes together later on. So you've taken a lot of you know deep dives into uh, historical figures, powerful men. Uh, with this one or any other examples, or have there been? Do you still have moments where you're discovering parts of yourself, you know, kind of in the investigation, or at least similarities? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's part of the fun of it. Is you know, um, we wanted the writing of Jimmy Breslin and Pete Hamill to really come alive. And, and I think I learned things from them that helped my writing. And, uh, you know, there's one point in the film where, um, Tom Wolf is talking about the old days at the New York Herald Tribune and, uh, where Jimmy Breslin worked and, you know, they had this uh, unbelievably talented collection of, uh, reporters and, Tom Wolf, uh, who we did one of the very last interviews ever done with him, and he said, uh, you know, he said to an editor, well, how long should it be? And the editor said, until it's boring, <laughs> you know, which is great advice. And I, I think about that all the time, like when I, you know, is this story boring yet? Don't worry so much about the length, just is it still intriguing? And and as far as the the history that I write, I mean, I'm always learning things from history that reflect on the present and, and um, learning things about um, the subject that I hadn't, not only had I not known, but in many cases, nobody's ever known. You know, and I've interviewed people um, about Jimmy Carter, including people in his own family who've never been interviewed before. So there's there's always new stuff that you're getting, and it might not be stop the presses, you know, it might not be, wow, headlines, but just a, a fuller understanding, not just of of my subjects, but of of uh, a period in American life and American history, and how um, power works, how journalism works. Um, in, in the case of Jimmy Carter, I'm learning a lot about um, Jim Crow segregation that he grew up in and how he negotiated that and being a politician when the South was extraordinarily mean place. I mean, people think our politics are mean now. They should check out Georgia in the 1950s and 60s, you know. Um, so... Yes, you, you're always learning new things, and um, and uh, learning from 
Breslin and Hamill and hearing about the way they covered stories and the way they think about life was a uh, a priceless experience. And even if even if the film uh, hadn't come together, I would have been glad I did it. Sometimes I do it even when there's no project. Uh, my wife um, worked for many years for Stephen Colbert, and they had an astronaut on uh, the the Comedy Central show on the Colbert Report, and and Alan Bean who died within the last year, and he was so interesting. He was an artist. After he came back from the moon, he just uh, he was the sixth man to walk on the moon. He just came back and painted moonscapes. And Emily and I just went down with a uh, a cameraman, and we just spent two days just talking to him. <laughs> you know, not for a film, just because it was interesting. And that's that's what's great about being a journalist is you get paid to ask questions and to satisfy one's curiosity. So I am glad that I'm not, um, you know, going over uh, an obscure um, part of the tax code on behalf of a corporate client, which is what I, I could have been doing if I hadn't forgotten to go to law school. Well, you seem to have had a, a prolific career. You're still having a prolific career. Um, do you work best under deadlines? Do you only go towards what interests you these days? How do you kind of, you know, always find the inspiration or put in the work every day? What what kind of, what's your schedule like? Well, some days I, I just don't get anything done. And I, I am um, very, very good at procrastinating. And so deadlines are essential for me. Some of them are self-imposed because I know that if I don't, meet certain deadlines to get chapters finished that they won't get done. And sometimes I miss the deadlines, but, um, uh, yeah, deadlines are, are very helpful. Um, and, but I, I don't have to have somebody else cracking the whip. I think at this stage in my life, I'm 61. I can, you know, muster the self-discipline to, uh, impose deadlines on myself, but the, it is hard to do it uh, without um, feeling a little bit under the gun. It's just too easy to find excuses. You know, professional writers don't generally find writing easy. People who say that writing is easy are generally not professional writers. And I go with what um, the old uh, sports writer, Red Smith, said. If When asked if writing came easily to him, he said, oh, yeah, I just sit down and open a vein. <laughs> So, so um, yeah, I, 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 uh, my schedule is, um, you know, I'm usually working on a number of different projects at the same time. And so um, I will, you know, devote different days to different projects. You know, I try to um, work at home a lot of the time. I always go to the, to New York City on Thursdays because I have a radio show that I do with my wife and kids called Alter Family Politics that is on Sirius XM 102, Radio Andy, Andy Cohen's radio channel. And um, so we, we do that on Thursday. So Thursdays are my least productive days. <laughs> I'm going into New York and I get tied up with one thing or another. And then when I go on MSNBC about two or three times a week, um, that can sometimes uh, uh, make it a little 
harder for me to write. But I, I do like being stretched in different ways, and, and I always want to learn something. And when I go on TV, I always want the want the viewer to learn something, whether it's maybe an obscure historical analogy or reflection of uh, somebody that I've talked to um, in my reporting. I want to learn something, and I I do have certain consistent interests. You know, I've been very interested in the American presidency since I was a kid, uh, a little kid. I got fascinated by Abraham Lincoln in my home state of Illinois, and, you know, I've been lucky enough to interview every president going back to Nixon, with the exception of Ronald Reagan. Um, you know, so that's, how many is that? That's Nixon, Ford, Carter, Bush, uh, Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump. That's eight American presidents I've interviewed. Not not all of them while they were in office. So Trump I interviewed before he was in office. And, uh, Carter and Nixon uh, and Ford um, after they were in office. Um, uh, but you know, and some of them, like Obama and Clinton, I've interviewed many times. Uh, um, but each time, I feel like I'm learning something. And the only time I get a little bit frustrated is if I feel like I'm, I'm no longer learning. Then, then I have a restlessness where I want to move on to something else. Um, and unfortunately, I... You know, I've got my life going in a way that usually lets me do that. And, and a lot of times it's no more complicated than just finding somebody new to in interview. So this morning, for instance, I interviewed a guy named Sam Brown, who was one of the top leaders in the anti-war movement in the Vietnam era. And uh, he was in the Carter administration. And I just, you know, there were several things he told me that I never knew before. <laughs> And I got a charge out of that. Um, so you've been writing basically your your whole life since childhood. Obviously, the adolescent years you were learning, but do you still see growth in your actual work? If you look back, you know, five or ten years, can you tell a difference? Can you see where things are changing, uh, opinions or style or anything like that? You know, I don't think it's a straight line. Sometimes I look back at a, maybe a piece I wrote in college and say that was better than the piece that I just wrote last week. You know, and other times I go, well, no, you know, this latest thing that I wrote really, um, you know, I'm glad that I had the experience to uh, improve on the way I would have done it years ago. But um, I have a collection of my columns uh, called Between the Lines, of my Newsweek columns, and um uh, unlike my unlike my books on presidents, it was not a bestseller. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know how many copies are available. But um, but you know, when I, if I occasionally look at that, I'm really struck by the fact that my writing has been fairly consistent. Um, but you're always after that perfect sentence, and you never get it. You're always a little short, but you're you're working at that perfect 
sentence. And I think I'm also increasingly conscious of the fact that people have so much competition for their time that, you know, it, 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 it uh, you know, it, it has to be, um, um, interesting to read. Uh, and sometimes I get more insecure as I get older about whether it is interesting and, uh, you know, but, um, you have to have some confidence that you can, you know, as was famously said, if you can make what's interesting, important and what's important, interesting, if it's just interesting and not important, it probably doesn't make the cut. And if it's just important, but it's not interesting, then it's boring. So you you have to um, find that sweet spot of of, of uh, material that is both interesting and important. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.